0: Well, it's been a busy one. The ECB lifts rates and says there's more to come. One day on from the Fed, softer data in the U.S., so do they really need to keep lifting rates? And the Bank of Japan, when will they start? Plus, around the world, still concerns about wages and Aussie employment numbers show a tight labour market that is only getting tighter in the uh, in Australia. So where does all of this end? It is Friday, the 16th of June, 2023. It's the Morning Call from Nap. Good morning. Well, quite a fall in the US dollar this morning. It's down almost 0.8% on the DXY, with the Aussie dollar up over 1.3%, up almost to 69 US cents. That is more like it, isn't it? The euro also at 1.1%, the pound up 0.9%, the Canadian dollar up 0.8%, and 10-year Treasury yields are down 7 basis points. Yields also down 7 basis points in Canada, but lifting up in most of Europe at 5 basis points for 10 years in Germany, France, Italy, and the Netherlands. Of course, we just had the ECB, which we'll talk about this morning, only in the UK have they gone down a bit, just one basis point lower. Aussie 10-year yields were up three basis points yesterday, hitting 4%, uh, but down a few basis points on futures overnight. And equities higher still in the United States, up 1.3% for the Dow, just over 1.2% up for the S&P, and at at close uh, 1.2% for the Nasdaq. The Nasdaq is heading up for 13,800, which is, uh, of course, it's been over 16,000 in its 2021 peak, but that was double what it was in mid-2019. There certainly isn't the same enthusiasm in european equities the euro stocks 50 down a quarter percent the dax down more than 0.1 percent the cat current down half a percent and big rises in asia yesterday as well the csi 300 up 1.6 percent uh, we'll talk about what's been going on in china uh, on the podcast this morning as well and yet big rises in oil wti up 3.4 percent 3.3 percent for brent heading towards 76 a barrel now so one day on from the hawkish fed pause And we've had the ECB since then. So let's start on that with NAB's Ken Compton in Sydney. So no pause from the ECB. Uh, Rates are up 25 basis points, but also a clear signal that they're going to do it in July. So the highest in
1: 22 years with more to come. No, good morning, Phil. That's right. The ECB sort of pretty much hitting expectations with the actual rate move there um, and you know the, the sort of commentary and, and forecast divisions that have gone with it have certainly been to the to the hawkish side so we've seen the um, yeah obviously we've seen them bump up their CPI forecast I mean quite materially actually I mean there's been sort of five f- sort of moves of about five tenths of a of a percent on some of the on, on, on some of the some of the moves there and I mean even looking out through to 2025 year for example I think they've still got a um, they've still got their CPI forecast now sitting at 2.3 percent so, sort of moving a little bit further above the target band, even though they've hiked rates and you know, trimming growth a little bit as well, but probably not quite as much as the market was expecting. Really, to sort of move by by one tenth across the um, across the GDP forecast. So now, I think one point five for next year.
0: So we have seen a bit. We have seen a bit of yield movement, haven't we? I guess that is because it's it, it this expectation they're going to. Uh, You know, today wasn't a surprise. Perhaps it was more hawkish than expected. And the fact that it's going to take longer. I mean, when I said, you know, that there was a signal they're going to do more. I mean, it was more than that. I mean, Christine Lagarde basically said, didn't she, that, you know, that uh, it was very likely that they're going to do it again in July and it shouldn't come as a surprise. Uh, but it obviously was because yields a bit higher in the euro- in Europe the, and the euro seems to have pulled the US dollar down a bit as well. So the market has responded to this.
1: Yeah, I certainly read the uh, the, the comments in the press conference as being pretty much a, a guarantee of, of getting to four in July. And um, my, my, mm. my colleagues in London, who who, who talked on this quite often, have they've sort of backed that assessment as well. I think four is pretty much baked in. I'm um, looking at German the, the yeah. German yield curve is probably the, the best benchmark, and, and right that that has flattened flattened a reasonable amount. Sort of sell off led by the led by the front end. So I guess that's sort of giving some nod to an expectation. The ECB is going to be a little bit more, a little bit more hawkish, but um, but yeah, but like t- ten-year bonds, for example, it's so a better five-point move. There's so no, no, nothing too extreme. Yeah, concentrated more at the front end as you as you but, suggested.
0: Uh, but as we see, you know that weakness, and they are technically in a recession, and they're downgrading their, their their growth forecasts. As you say, even at four percent, I mean. How can they get away at four percent when you know there's talk that the Fed may even have to go as high as six percent? Is there any reason to believe the ECB can get the job done without getting up to FOMC, FOMC levels?
1: Well, there's potentially a bit of a stocks versus flows argument there, in that obviously yeah, the, the ECB did start at a bit of a, a bit of a lower starting point. Um, yeah, obviously they started at minus a half. I mean, they've now done obviously the, the tightening you know, they've now done through does does put them a little bit, um, a little yeah. bit more tighter relative to their starting point than what that. The outright level might suggest. And of course, um, you know, we've seen obviously Europe took a much much sort of sharper hit from the from the energy price issues across across last year just due to the due to the proximity to the war in Ukraine so whether that's, um to the extent that's dragged on on growth last year now ultimately it wasn't as big a drag as expected but um, but you know maybe that's doing some of the some of the work for the ECB as well so maybe the outright level isn't necessarily the you know the the be all and, and end all there and if we're coming to to the point where you know Clearly, as we're about to talk about U.S. data, clearly there is sort of signs of weakness there. So, yeah, yeah maybe that's going to do some of the work in a, in a global sense for the ECB as well, which is, of course, what the RBA here has been sort of hoping to uh, hoping would have had happen for them as well.
0: Yeah, of course, his jobs is the big concern, isn't it? And uh, we had jobs data from the US. But just Christine Lagarde's press conference, I do love the fact that she doesn't need journalists to ask questions because she asks the questions herself. Because She said, are we done yet? Have we finished the journey? No, we're not at our destination. Do we still have ground to cover? Yes, we still have ground to cover. She asked the questions and answered them. She's a journalist and the respondee all in one. But she talked about, uh, you know, it is labour costs, the enigma of the labour market, she said, which I that word enigma is sort of suggesting they don't quite know how to handle it. But that is the key issue, isn't it? Everywhere we're getting the same story, including in Australia. we obviously need to talk about the employment numbers in Australia. Just this big concern that labour markets are staying tight, you know, even though... They are technically in a recession. People have still got jobs. It's a very bizarre place we find ourselves.
1: Yeah, there's no, um, there's sort of no global standout in terms of um, in, in terms of job figures. Everywhere is re- most markets remaining relatively tight. And you know, I mean, look, all, all the textbooks will tell you that the labour markets are, are are a lagging indicator of the economy. So I guess to some extent that's expected. But still, the persistent strength you know, globally has been. Yeah, whether it's been surprising or but but certainly it's it's been persistent and you know we've seen that in the UK, US data sort of showing that to to some extent Australia as well and. Yeah, maybe there's some some labour hoarding going on. Having gone through an extended period where, where labour has been a little hard to, to come by, maybe there has been some some hoarding on on, on the other side. And you know, obviously, a lot of the layoffs we're seeing so far have been sort of highly concentrated in in tech, a little a, a little bit in finance. So yeah, mm. maybe the the broader weakness hasn't, hasn't spread out from there yet. But yeah. um, because maybe we're seeing some early signs in the US, maybe.
0: Well, yeah, but I mean, very small, aren't they? So I mean, those weekly jobless numbers, which obviously can be pretty choppy, so the. Continu- continuing jobless claims that we saw have pushed up to 1.78 million that's up 20 000. you know it's not a great deal is it and then we had quite a bit of softer data as well like the philly fed manufacturing index which was a a big downside surprise quite a fall in import prices down 0.6 percent month on month so we are seeing softer data so that's interesting isn't it i mean it raises the question is the fed being too hawkish you know one day on they're talking about more rate rises but we're seeing the economy slowing yeah
1: well, obviously yeah, i mean the the fed job is part signaling as as well as sort of part reactionary of course so i think um, you know for, for for mine that that sort of inc- injection of the extra two rate hikes into the dot plot at the end of the year probably signals as much about um yeah about signaling as it does about actual intention i mean i'm not not sort of suggesting that the fed members put in mm. um you yeah, know put in sort of sketch, sketchy numbers or anything A work of but affection. um but certainly part of the the, <laughs> the challenge for us policymakers is that um you yeah, know the the household channel there gets there Gets their interest rate impact mostly from the ultra from the ultra long end, where due to thirty year mortgages. So to try and keep a bit of pressure there, the the Fed's got a got, got to maintain a bit of a, a bit of a hawkish signal. Um, and of course, you know they have just they have just paused. So clearly they are listening to the data to to some extent. So I think um, we can sort of read that as a bit of a bit of a signaling yeah. effect. And the Fed would probably take some sort of confidence in in mm. most of that data that came out overnight. Um, in in terms of actually having an impact, so I mean, yeah. even- so
0: retail was up a bit, wasn't it? But it was, but actually they've there have been revisions as well. So actually it's it's looking pretty flat. And in fact, if you if they stay at this level, they'll actually be down on the quarter if we get another month at the same level.
1: Yeah, yeah. So I think um, I've I've seen some numbers there. Annualizes out to sort of a point a point nine percent decline across Q two. If if those numbers continue, just due to shoot the way the revisions and the new data have worked out, so probably, I um, mean, yeah, nothing too concerning there for the, for the Fed in that, in that, in that. And I guess looking at market reaction to, to how that's gone you know sort of 24 hours post the Fed oftentimes you do get this sort of sharp change in direction yeah, as, as the market comes back in the next morning and, and, and reconsiders what, what happened late yesterday afternoon and you know we've seen a pretty uh, we've seen a moderate rally across the treasury curve so we're back into the low 370s now and the the, the curve has flattened you know very slightly so a bit of a nod to um, I mean, to, to, mm. to more strict policy there but not, not a huge change. Bit-
0: is it worth spending the energy trying to explain why the U.S. equity market continues to rise? Is there, do we need to check the algorithms amongst the equity traders? Because I mean, what is going on? I mean, it's it's just
1: you know re- relentlessly up. It's well, I mean, U.S. U.S. real yields are down on the day. I mean, real yields are always a good um, are always a pretty good driver of um, of equities to to some extent. So I guess you, you still throw that into the mix. I mean, more broadly. Um, yeah, maybe it's the fact that uh, the the equities market is is sort of reading that the Fed is is doing more signalling than actually stating intent. So, uh, you know, so I guess um yeah, if if we are nearer to the peak than we were a couple of days ago, then that's that's an equities positive story, isn't it? Yeah, I guess so. so. Yeah, yeah. All
0: right. So the Aussie labour market already tight, just got tighter. It seems so seventy six thousand more jobs in May. I mean, NAB was expecting ten thousand. And there's not much headroom, is there? I mean, part the participation rate is at a record high. The unemployment rate has fallen back down again. Under, underutilization you know, the lowest it's been basically since the 90s. So this is this must be very concerning for the RBA because, uh, you know, right now, who wouldn't be asking for a pay rise? Yeah,
1: I mean, looking at the numbers, I mean, there was always some level of bounce back sort of expected from that April print, you know, where we had sort of that, that sort of surprise jump in the unemployment rate in a very weak growth back in April, so that was yesterday's number probably points to that being a bit of holiday impact on on seasonal adjustments, those sort of things, so um, I mean, if you sort of draw a draw a trend line through it, it sort of does mean that there's really been no sort of significant change in trends across the employment market, you know, for the past of the twelve or eighteen months. Where, where once we got the unemployment rate down to three point six back in, um, you know, back back last year, so you're still sort of seeing trend employment growth of you yeah, sort of thirty five forty odd k. So no significant um, dent in the um, in, in the Australian labour market yet, as as we've seen. Of course, we've seen wage increases go through lately, so that's yeah, tight labour markets. Some mandated um, wage increases, as well as all the discretionary stuff that's obviously been going on over the past year or so, as well, does sort of paint um, does does sort of paint a, a picture consistent with what the with what Governor Lowe was was warning about, or maybe talking about when he was in, in front of Parliament last week that. Um, the, the, that wages, is wages is a big part of the story there. Yeah, um, obviously linking into productivity and, and that sort of stuff. But um, but certainly, uh, you know, an, an interesting print there. And
0: migration not helping, is it? I mean, that's not really making much of a, a an impact at all. Uh, but anyway, will we'll, see, we'll see back. Perhaps it will over over the next uh, next few months. On the China front, as expected, the PBOC uh, lowered its one-year loans rate by 10 basis points to 2.65%. They did the same earlier in the week for the, the seven-day reverse repo rate. So, uh, but maybe more to come because uh, you know we the activity data out of China wasn't too good. We saw a big slide in uh, retail growth. Uh, a lower than expected growth in fixed asset investment and in industrial production. So there is talk that they are going to do more, uh, not just from the PBOC, but on the fiscal front, more infrastructure spending, for example.
1: Yeah, it does that set of data there does seem to, to back the, the view that there will be a broadening of, of, of stimulus stimulus efforts coming out of China. Property is certainly one area, which is obviously the traditional mm. traditional stimulus sector in, in, in China. That's been one area that's been flagged as a possibility for seeing some, some Impetus there, and I mean that will, um, you know, if we we do see that come through, that'll potentially be be supportive for various sectors in Australia. I mean, um, some of the strong rebound in iron ore prices. This week, um, here they're up back back to around 115 odd US dollars a ton. I think having been down around 100 briefly a little while back. uh, Part of that has been on expectations of China, China stimulus as well. So to the extent that's a bit of bit supportive for um, you know sort of the global commodities complex, that does tend to be very um, very very friendly for for Australian data as well.
0: Well, yeah, is this what's going to get the Aussie dollar back over 70, do you think? Possibly, Perhaps.
1: yeah. It'll be an important part of the mix. I mean, particularly, you know, we've just been talking about the softish data in the US. Um, yeah, So that, that combination yeah. of sort of helping the dollar dollar sort of roll off its, its its own sort of significant base of strength there. If you're adding in a little bit of China, Chinese stimulus on, on the Aussie side, then, yeah, that, that, that's going to be that, – that will definitely be supportive for the Aussie dollar.
0: Right now, New Zealand uh, GDP down for two quarters in a row, so they join Europe as being technically in or having been in a recession it is only very slight isn't it but just as it was in in europe uh, but you know we've, we've seen in europe a recession doesn't mean the central bank isn't going to continue lifting rates in this crazy world that we find ourselves in so, so does this take any pressure off the the rbnz what's the story
1: for for that part of the world now so the print i think was was well short of the rbnz zone forecast for this year so that's sorry for the quarter which the, the rbnz was looking for 0.3 percent i believe so yeah at the margin that's absolutely sort of a bit of a, a bit of a nod to the RBNZ being done. So you might recall that prior to the to the last meeting, you know there'd been a, a rush of forecast revisions by by various central banks. You know, sorry, by various various economists and banks, including our own. Um, you know, everyone's most people took those off the table post the RBNZ meeting, and it seems that. The the data here is sort of backing that up that um the the, the growth there is done. So the RBNZ themselves in their official forecast is talking about rate cuts end of end of twenty four. Our colleagues at BNZ think it's probably earlier, but you're still looking at May twenty four before we before we think they'll they'll cut. You've got to this, still got to let inflation ebb way is, is, is the main thing. The
0: first one to the finish line, though, perhaps. We'll see. Uh, so uh, not even at the start point. Uh, is the Bank of Japan uh, still focused on yield curve control? Uh, or, or will they start lifting rates? So they meet today. The assumption is that, you know, they will do this switch sometime, but maybe not so soon. Maybe July, because that's when they, uh, they, they
1: publish their inflation forecast. But who knows? Hey, they could surprise us. They could uh, switch direction today. Yeah, certainly consensus is on them doing nothing um, and the rates market for one seems to be on board with that. You know, 10-year JGB yields are not bumping up against, you know, the, the current sort of upper upper end of the the target band. In fact, they're sort of comfortably below it, um, you know, about 0.42. The, there is a difference in how um, FX markets are approaching it though. Certainly dollar, yen has been... Yeah, has the uh, yen has been appreciating rapidly into the meeting, so clearly you know f x investors are, are somewhat willing to test the bodgers resolve or maybe more likely the the ministry of finances resolve in um, in seeing where their yeah. um, sort of target point for an intervention might be. I'm always wary of the, the possibility of a bodge surprise. You know, they have been very vocal about how dovish they've been and how there's no need for a change. But, um, but you know, I can also distinctly recall the, the bodge talking aggressively about how there was no need for negative rates up until about a week before they took rates negative. Um, admittedly, that was nearly 10 years ago now. But they can pivot quickly. There's a new governor. But um, I'm so that, yeah, there's an outside chance of, of something moving, and I guess the the implications of that for Australia sort of do in w- w- when there is a tightening. There it does sort of start to flow through to some of our um, government bond markets, in particular where the Japanese uh, are an important um, yeah in, in, in investor base. So that that can sort of affect Australian interest rates through mm. that channel as well. But I'm just- Probably no move today. Yeah. As you said, they've got full, full forecast coming in July. So, so that's when it could all happen. Well, look, today, after a hectic
0: week, it's fairly quiet, isn't it? New Zealand manufacturing today, uh, University of Michigan's uh, sentiment survey, and in their, their inflation expectations, we get euro area inflation. But that's the final read. It may have been fine-tuned a bit.
1: But, uh, yeah, relatively quiet, and we like it that way after such a hectic week. Yeah. U- University of Michigan numbers can – the the, the Inflation outlook numbers there can sometimes move markets a little bit and um, maybe on a hopefully as quiet night as tonight. Maybe, maybe they will do, but um, that'll be an interesting read there. But other uh, than that, pretty a pretty calm night.
0: Right, calm. I like that. All right, very good. Uh, we'll catch you again soon, Ken. Thank you. Cheers. Thanks, Phil. Maybe this is the day they all do a long life. No alcohol, of course, because it is 2023, but slightly longer for lunch today, perhaps. That's it for the morning call for today and for this week. I'm Phil Dobby. Back again on Monday morning. See you then. Thanks for listening.